0: One of my favorite things to do is to figure out how can I get to the most optimal level of cognitive function and energy. Over the years, I have tried so many different things, drank way too much coffee, tried to figure out the balance between getting energized for a podcast, but also not getting too energized where I actually go past that threshold of focus, right? So there's a really fine line that I've noticed is that from too much coffee, it could almost be do the opposite and I get confused and I can't get my words together. Also with no caffeine, I almost feel like I'm not energized enough. So... I always am looking for that perfect sweet spot, like flow state, right? That we get to where it's like, things are flowing, energy's there, you feel good. That's the level I'm at. And having a podcast and speaking on stage and doing these things, that's the level that I want to be at. And when I tried Magic Mind, I'm not just saying this, this product gave me that edge that I need. So, it's a combination of nootropics and matcha, some other great stuff that helps you get to that sweet spot of flow state. You could drink it alongside a coffee. So, you don't like, you can have a coffee and drink it, and then it'll like the, the one coffee will get you energized, but it won't take you over. And then the, the magic mind will like bring you into this like perfect level. You don't want to drink too much coffee because it's going to, it's going to, you know, like I said, it's not going to help you as much. And for me, what I did was I tried it with coffee, which was great, but I also tried it with strong tea, which was also great for me now. Majority of times I get, I drink a strong brewed tea, maybe a little bit of green, a little bit of black, and then some magic mind for that matcha and the nootropic sweet spot. And I am just dialed. I had some before my event. I remember I drank it, a bottle of it before i spoke on stage in front of 300 people and it was like so good cuz i got to that level you know and whenever i need that edge i like to have that product that i can count on that can help me get that word that i need or that idea and not have that brain fog that fog or that block you know what i mean that we all get sometimes and with magic mind it like i can trust that the thoughts and everything will come through so check it out these guys are great i love them and if you guys use the code uap20 you get up to 56 percent off your subscription for the next 10 days with this code and yeah try it out get a box they come in these little bottles it's epic you just drink it don't have to think about it. You can travel with them. It's it's great, and it's great addition to your other beverage. So they got you, and they're they're really powerful. And if you're like me, you want to have optimal focus. Check it out. Okay. So go to go to www.magicmind.co/slash-uap. Use my code UAP twenty. That's www.magicmind.co/slash-uap and use the code UAP20 at checkout. And what else? Um, Yeah, just go check them out. They're great. All right? Enjoy, everybody. What's up, everybody? Welcome back to University of Adversity Podcast. I'm your host, Lance Isios. We have been a little bit behind schedule with our podcast lately. There's been a lot going on, a lot of different things, a lot of moving pieces. And We have recently only been releasing once every two weeks or kind of sporadically. My goal is to get back to once a week. So thank you for being patient. And we got so many great people coming up that I want to deliver this to you. I also want to do a for more solo episodes as well. And yes, we're going to be getting back on track. And today is a great day to kick that off. We have johnny elsasser joining us today he's returning and i got his new book here design the man within this guy's a badass he's also the forward is done by stefanos stefandos who's also been on the show and you know what i'm going to read his bio right from his book let's go johnny elsasser is a former special operations u.s army ranger with four combat tours between iraq in Afghanistan, and Afghanistan in five years protecting the U.S. ambassador to Iraq in Baghdad. Johnny has seen the field of masculinity through extreme alpha perspectives and knows the trials and tribulations the toughest men deal with on a day-to-day. Johnny's mission is to help men find strength in developing masculinity, to be consistent with who they are and not what society expects them to be. Johnny has shifted his fight to advocating and supporting men in finding their own masculinity and purpose as a man in today's society. And Johnny embodies that such a great dude, such a good balance and of of masculine and feminine in just like such a such a beautiful way, you know, he's a badass but he's also just got this like warm heart of gold, you know, and that's really what masculinity is in my opinion and he embodies it. So if you are a man that's searching and you want to design the man within, or you ladies, if you have a man in your life that is looking for somebody to guide them, Johnny is also great at this. So reach out and his Instagram is at J O H N N Y dot E L S A S S E R. So it's at johnny.lsasser, go follow him, great dude. And uh, yeah, let's get into the podcast. We dive into it and uh, you really get to uh, figure out what he's about and the powerful message that he has specifically in this book. All right, enjoy the episode. Johnny, welcome back to the show, brother.
1: Hey, man, I am excited <laughs> to be on here. You're like my distant brother from another mother up in the great white north,
0: <laughs> talking hockey, talking all the things. It's good to have you back, man. It's good to see the work that you're doing out there and uh leading the men because uh they need it.
1: <laughs> yeah, I mean, we, we all do, bro. I mean, you know, this just yeah. as well as I do is like you know, we needed it ourselves, and so like we, someone's got to. We can't sit there and like struggle in our own right and like go through a process to get where we are today and then not turn around and say, well, maybe we should step up for the rest of the guys too and give them a piece of us that can maybe help them, you know? Yeah.
0: Yeah. And it's, would you say that a lot of people you see don't actually embody the work that they talk about too? Like how important is that, that you actually live the work? Like you actually live what you say.
1: Yeah, like ep- I dude, it's it's so important. Uh go ahead, I'll let you finish. Like
0: No, no. I that's that that's just what I, I see it all the time. Like and I even have to question myself. I'm like if I'm going to say this shit, I got to do it in my own life. Otherwise, it doesn't it doesn't feel good to me. You know, and I just Yeah. You you see that a lot out there. You see that people say things but then I'm like, hmm, do you do that in your life? Like do you actually do it? Know,
1: yeah, yeah, dude. This this comes up a lot for me. Like, you know, I um I do individual coaching with men and stuff, and I'll give them protocols and techniques and things like that to implement in their life, and then I and then I'll sit back and I'll get off the call and be like, bro, are you doing that right now? And I'll be like, I used to do it and I'm not doing that right now. I gotta get back to that practice. And so it's like For me, um, as we grow, I think like obviously we gain new tools or we gain, I don't necessarily say mastery over things, but I think we gain some comfort over it, comfortability over it. And then we end up, uh, it becomes semi-natural, but then some of those things drift away. And then when we run into friction or different areas in our life where we need those tools, sometimes I don't think we go back to them. But I don't believe a lot of people also are embodying the practices they teach i think there's a good portion of people especially in the self-development movement i would call it nowadays is that a lot of people will hear you and i talk about something and then they'll implement that statement into their coaching and tell people to do it because it's from two sources that can tell you it worked right but then that person never has ever done the practice or embodied it or anything but they're regurgitating it and i think that's a big thing there's regurgitation happening and then there's also some of us like that actually are doing the work and then we have to remind ourselves that we do need to apply those things cuz especially I mean you know Taylor my wife and you know we'll go through things in our relationship and I'll be like okay bro is is this something you would tell your clients to do is it, you know how would you be talking to your client if they told you the scenario that you just went through with your wife and the communication they just had and so i have to remember those things as well and you know it's not Not that I'm exempt from that. Um, And I have to remind myself myself that I have those tools too, you know?
0: Yeah. How does somebody know what tools are right for them? Because you're right. There's a lot of, it's on social media. It's kind of like the loudest person wins as far as like the stuff that you hear. Do this, do that blah, blah, blah. Look at social media, look at their following or like, you know, you start to do their things and then you hear somebody else, you do their things. You try it out. I mean, I've tried all kinds of different shit over the years from diets to this and that. And it's like, I'm at the point now where I'm like, wait a second here. Like what actually works for me. Like what is actually something that works for me? And how do you, how do you deal with that? Like how do you distill down what works for you? And like, how do you advise people? Because really is so much information out there we're information overload man and and influencers and people and all kinds of it like how do you how do you deal with it yourself how do you figure what's right for you and then how do you um how do you encourage other people the men that you work with to kind of find that
1: for themselves this is a really great question and i will actually give let me give you a little background on why i believe this but i didn't realize we could I, you know, there's the saying there's a thousand ways to skin a cat, right? Yeah. Like, you know, we can, we can, there's so many different ways to do every single thing in, in the world and none of them are necessarily right or wrong. And every single one of them will resonate with a different person. Right. And so I was, uh, when I started to do all my education, so when I started to do my bachelor's and then my two, my two master's degrees, I started to realize I was heavily questioning the books I was reading. I started to realize I was questioning the academics who wrote these books. And I was like, huh, I'm starting to have this like conversation internally. Well, I don't believe that. Oh, that sounds pretty logical. This actually sounds like a good argument. It seems pretty sound. Oh, that sounds ridiculous. Okay, what were the studies done? Like all these things. I started to question all that. And I realized like, They don't have any magic crystal ball. They're just human beings and they're creating an opinion based off of data that they're gathering or that they've experienced. And then they're saying, they're coming to a conclusion with that. Right. And so when it comes to advice, when it comes to like things with self development or even fitness and things like that, it's like, just remember that everybody you're listening to is giving you an opinion gathered around data within their lives that they're saying this worked for them, but it might not work for you because we're not the same people. So just remember, you can question it. And when you question it, if it starts to make sense to you, then it probably is going to be something you're more willing to implement and see if it actually works. And the other thing is when it comes to all this stuff, imagine this as like dating, you don't just go out with, I mean, most people don't just go out with one person and then they're like, all right, that's it. I'm hanging it up. This is the right person for me. No, we date, right? Like date, date your experiences in life, date the things that you try out to see if they work for you from tools of like self-development to fitness, to dieting, to all those stuff, to relationship um, communication, all those things, try different techniques because none of it is going to be exactly correct for you. And some of it may not even resonate with you. So it's like, if you don't, if you're not willing to experiment and try it out, you're never going to know. And so it's like, I, now I would be very careful when it comes to like buying stuff, right if if someone's spouting off a bunch of things like and you're they're asking you to pay a lot of money to get that and then you're like, oh, that doesn't really resonate with me I'd be a little hesitant with that and be a little more investigative and critical of it before I contribute a lot of money to something like that. but everything else for the most part, you know this there's a lot of free stuff out there that everybody then there is an overwhelming amount of content but majority of it is relatively free. you can experiment with a lot of the free things. Mm. and see how that takes to you and your life and then the other the last piece to it um i've been blessed in my life to be able to see uh genu- genuine people for who they are if they are genuine and i can pretty much see people for like either frauds or snake oil salesmen pretty quickly uh whether it's online or whether it's in person like i can actually feel this out pretty well and that has led me down a path of, of knowing what tools I want to experiment with because I value people who are very genuine. Mm. So I would tell people that if you're going to look at content and information and tools and techniques, I would also say looking at people who may resonate resonate with you um, pretty well and evaluating them based on their ability to be genuine and open and be real and say, okay, do I believe that is who they are, that they're presenting to me right now? And if not, I would be very weary of what they're passing off because the high likelihood is if you don't get that connection of genuine uh, genuineness with them. If you don't get that with them, then high likelihood is the tools they're giving you are probably regurgitated. They're not practiced. So that would that would be another piece that I would say. How did you develop that?
0: Would you say that's your intuition that you developed? Because I can resonate with that a lot into feeling out people and just, you can just tell and you can just tell like, that's, that's a good dude, but that guy's full of shit or like, you know what I mean? Like there's like this, there's this knowing or feeling like what, how did you develop that? Is that something that you've always had or did you have to develop it, you
1: know, doing the kind of work that you did? I would love to say it was the work that I did. I think the work I did in special operations and protection, um, I think that work helped to solidify it. But my reality, when I think retrospectively at that, and I try to be objective, I would actually say it was because a lot of how I was raised, my uncle, who's my, my close friend, my godfather, he was the one also you appreciate him because he's the one that got me into hockey, but he's the one that really, (laughs) (laughs) he's, he's the one that taught me like, what a good man looks like what an honest man looks like and how they present themselves in their flawed state and in their you know um in their refined state and he helped to show that to me and i think that from an early age i had the ability to see that one and number two i mean it might be a little esoteric but i feel like energetically i've always been able to read people pretty well and their intentions and to know and I have seldomly, and I'm not saying this to toot my own horn, but I've seldomly been wrong when I've made an assumption about a person. I've seldomly been wrong in my life about that. And so I would say a little bit was given to me by the grace of the universe or whatever deity you believe in. And then part of it was given to me by seeing a man when I was growing up, a man that embodied that authenticity and embodied that empowerment, but also embodied somebody who wasn't afraid of his flaws and his failures and also was honest about all of that and his successes. So yeah,
0: it's it's so important. I'm curious, you know, because having a wife like Taylor who's so spiritual, and then you know, you being in special ops, it's such an interesting match. Like, how much has that helped you? in how you see life like you know there is she's probably a lot more esoteric a lot more you know believe in this and do that you know all of that and i think that it's important to have that balance how has that helped Mm -hmm. you like from being you know because most people in special ops or marines or anything it's like they're this they're very rigid right and it's hard to get out of that rigidness Mm -hmm. right that's what i've noticed how has that been for you Like, how has that been for you in the work that you do at being able to have that, that well-rounded perspective or that be able to, to kind of go there and have a little bit of that esoteric stuff. Like, what does that yeah. like for you?
1: It's been rough. <laughs> yeah. I'm not going to, probably gonna challenges it. you a
0: lot, right? It challenges your beliefs a lot, right?
1: All the time, even to this day, <laughs> like even after all the work I've done to so this day, it challenges, it challenges the shit out of me. Um, and it's beautiful in that because the fact that I am constantly being challenged. So it is constant work for me. Yeah. Um, but you're right. That is that is my mindset. That's always been my mindset. I've, you know, I think men in general, like if we take a step back and not even just put it into military terms, but men in general, we're pragmatic, right? Like we look at everything as solution based. So we need to find one plus one equals two. Um, We need the logical steps in our lives. And so that's how we see everything. And also in ancestrally, we're programmed to be the protectors and to be the providers like that is in a tribe. That's what we were because we're bigger and stronger. Right. So like that was our role. So ancestrally, that's within all of us. And I think at that point, we constantly look at the world around us as being this physical, tangible, material world that we have to see all of the threats, we have to see the environment, we have to see um, what our role is in that environment, who who is what in that environment. So we're constantly almost looking at the world In what we like to refer to as like a realist version, but in reality, what it is, is like a negative and judgmental version, which is what I found out that I was doing a lot. I was seeing the world that way. And with Taylor, she doesn't see that. And there is this this balance that we both bring to each other's life because I bring a little bit of value to the material world to her to be like, hey, yes, I get it. Like you call in a lot of beautiful spiritual things and you can manifest like a, a crazy person, but you also are not like protecting yourself in certain environments that you should recognize there's vulnerabilities there and just be a little more on guard. And because it's it's not about anything to do with manifestation, it's just people, right? We're dealing with human beings. And so um, I bring that to her life, but then she challenges me all the time to get away from the the negativity and the perception of judgment because I'm starting to attract all of that into my life. And she's like, hey, you wonder why your business doesn't do what my business does? Yeah, thanks, babe. Appreciate that. Sure, I'd love to know. Yeah, she's like, because you just constantly see the negative and I'm like, God damn it. And she's like, yeah, you got to like play in this world of believing that like if I'm going to call in a million dollars this year, I don't have to see the how or why. I just need to ask for it and then allow that to happen. I just need to ask for that. Like That's literally what she does. She'll call that in and she'll focus on that stuff in meditation, but she doesn't try to find point A, B, C, and D. She's just like, that's it. I'm going to do that. And then what I'm going to do is I'm going to play my game of just doing what comes to me as I'm making my way to that. And I believe that it's going to show up and it's this resignation to that, that I am still learning and constantly get challenged with on a regular basis.
0: And it's so interesting. So true because is spiritual and how all that work that I've done over the years? Still, man, I still have this like real skepticism that shows up, and I think it's good to be healthy skeptic, right? But still, like mm-hmm. even though I know that, and you know, I've heard Taylor talk about that. I've heard other you know people that have been able to manifest all this stuff, and I, I'm still like, yeah, but fuck, like. <laughs> i'm like i know and then i and then you kind of have to ask yourself yeah like what am i focusing on actually and and it usually because you're manifesting shit all the time right whether it's good or bad and it's like oh yeah and it's easy right now especially with the world and everything's going on it's because you want to be aware you want to talk about things that are important but it's easy to get lost in the problem and not the solution of things that's what i found i'm mm-hmm. like whoa wait a second pull it back a little bit like you can't like you can't just keep beating the, the problem to death You gotta like what's the solution here right give what's the way out for people i found that that's a that's a real unique situation too it's like how can you stand up for things but then not get lost in that fucking darkness that that we've all gotten lost in the last three years, right? While still being that like open receiver of, of things, of, of,
1: of, of money and, you know, abundance and all of that. Yeah. It, it, to me, it's come to me, what has made sense in the way that I've started to reverse this for myself was to ask the question um, when that negative statement or that judgmental or that like, hyper protective uh comes in it's like hey what is this serving right now and how can i change this to be positive positive? and i seriously ask myself this all That's the good. time because a lot of times what will happen is i'll judge a situation or i'll i'll be like um for instance i'll be like hey i'm throwing a men's event and it's like oh man it's been really hard to get guys to 10 guys to sign up for this event right like i'll tell myself that and then i'll be like johnny if you say that it's going to be very hard how yeah. do we flip this and then it's like, cool, okay, no, I'm calling in 10 amazing men to come to this, uh, retreat and for us to have an epic time for a few days Yeah, like I'll switch the language, but that like didn't happen overnight. And I still struggle with it. And the only difference is now is that I'm just able to catch it and then flip it. So it allows for me, this is what made sense for me to start to kind of live in that world that Taylor lives in naturally. Right. Yeah. And that's what's helped.
0: Dude, it's that's so fucking true because it's so easy to especially when you're creating programs and books and podcasts. It's like yeah. Oh, that didn't work out before or yep. that guys didn't work out. It's like we can get lost in what didn't work out and that becomes the present moment. And man, I feel I go through that all the time. You know, I'm like in this this mm-hmm. phase right now where I want to create like a program, coaching and I'm like and I just start doubting all the doubt comes first before like, well, how could it work out? Like how, who, yeah. who could it be for instead? And it's so easy. I, I don't know what it is. It's like how we're conditioned even as athletes, right? It's, there's this yeah. like pessimist, this, it just takes over sometimes. And I I just, as as, as good as it is, as, as being able to be like skeptical and stuff, it's like, I'm realizing that it doesn't it doesn't really serve when it comes to creating things for people. It's like you gotta be in that open energy, otherwise have to. what's the alternative? If you keep thinking like that, you're right. That's what's gonna happen, <laughs> like,
1: yeah. Absolutely, and you're gonna you're gonna sell that way. You're gonna speak that way, and that energy, that negative energy, is gonna seep out from you, it, unconsciously, man. And if you get on sales calls for it, like you're gonna, that's gonna end up coming out in sales calls. And you're not gonna get, you're gonna receive exactly what you you said you didn't want because all you thought about was you didn't want it, and so yeah. it's like if we if we continue to do that then we're the only ones at fault like we got to take ownership of that be like no that was me that did it and so when we're able to open ourselves to receive that thing that we actually do desire by reframing the conversation internally and not going to the doubt because like we live in this world especially men especially men which is plan for the worst and hope for the best but I don't like that because when you plan for the worst, you're, prepare, you're preparing, planning, and expecting the worst, right? You're expecting it. That's the key, the optimal word here. And when you hope for the best, you're resigning the best to something outside of your control. Mm-hmm. So why don't we actually plan for the best, do everything we can so the best actually happens, and then allow ourselves to still be prepared for the worst? You see what I'm saying like That's, there's a different conversation that can be happening. We can expect the best, call that in, and still have the skills to be prepared for the worst. Yeah. Like have an just be
0: optimistic cuz we know that the worst could happen, but why put the focus on that? Why not focus right. on the optimism of what it could be, right? Yeah. Yeah, as men, I don't know what it is, like we're this is why this these kind of conversations are important because a lot of men um I don't know. They just feel like it's, that's, that's just the conditioning. And I think, um, understanding that if you want to kind of change the narrative of your life, you have to change how you think and you have to change how you speak.
1: Well, it's a, it's a protection mechanism. Yeah. that's What it is. It's a protect. So like, you know, if, if you and I are in our tribes back in the day, and you and I are the, the leaders of the tribe, for instance, right? Like we're the men that everybody looks to. And we say, we look at each other and we say, all right, this is what can really happen to the tribe, and so we got to prepare everything. We got to set up perimeters. We got to have blockades. We got to do uh, funneling. We got to make sure that we're ready. We got to have uh, we got to have weapons in certain areas around the tr- the camp, so we know if something comes from here. Like we're ca- it's a protection mechanism, and it served us for a time in our existence. It served me in the military, and it served me in protection. But guess where it doesn't serve me? The 99% of my other life where I live my real life, it doesn't serve me. And it doesn't serve me as an entrepreneur. It doesn't serve me as a coach. It doesn't serve me as a friend to you. It doesn't serve me as a son or a brother. It doesn't serve me in those environments. And that's why I say, like, if I can still have the skills to be prepared for something bad to happen or the worst, quote unquote, to happen, I just need to have those skills. But I want to plan for everything to be as great as I want them to be or something even better than I could have expected, right? I want them because when when you don't even plan for the best thing to happen, you can't have something greater than what you expected enter your life. You just can't because you're not even open to the good thing happening.
0: (laughs) And so true. So true, bro. So you just wrote a book. And I'm curious as to what that process was like for you. First of all, why did you write it? It's called Design the Man Within. Love the title. Thank you. What, first of all, inspired you to write it? And what was that process like?
1: So um, full transparency and honesty as far as like why I wrote it was when I started the my journey down my own development, the first men's book I got handed was this very esoteric, energetic book that I couldn't resonate with and put it down a like a quarter of the way to I basically what was it? A vomit. What on was the book. it? What was it? <laughs> oh man. It's uh The Way of the Superior Man by David oh. Data. Okay. So like a lot of people pass this off to guys, right? Like a lot of people. Now I will say not knocking David Data's stuff. I value it now. I value it now. And I can, I can understand it now. Yeah. But at the time when I started, it was so far down the path of development. I had no reference point for it. Right. It was like hieroglyphics to me. I'm like, bro, this makes no sense. Like, so I was like, this can't like, yeah, like, I get this it. Can't like the men's books. Like I'm like this is never going to get the blue collar guy that's never stepped foot in his own process of development whatsoever. It's never going to get him. He's going to be like me. He's going to want to throw up on it and use the rest of it for toilet paper. Like it's not going to resonate. Yeah. And again, David, if you're listening, you know, no not knock on you just letting you know that doesn't really resonate for guys just entering. Just being honest, bro. Uh so I was like, this has got to change. Like if we're going to have, if we want, like if, and I talked to a good friend of mine, Philip Folsom, he's one of the OGs from the men's development movement. He's kind of an elder in the men's space. And he, uh, he was there, um, during the time in the eighties and nineties when the original men's movement started. And he and I had this conversation on my podcast and he was like, yeah, it failed because every single normal dude was left behind. He's like the men's movement catered back in the eighties and nineties. It catered to like 0.05% of men. And then 99.5% of men were like, bro, what are you, what are you doing? What are you talking about? I'm not going to go in the woods and howl at the moon around a fire and a loincloth. Like, that's not going to be what I'm going to (laughs) do. Like I got responsibilities. I got this, like, it just wasn't, there was no connection to them. That wasn't their life. And so I think, with this I was I saw that similarity in David Data's book and and for someone to hand that to me to be my first men's development book and I hear so many people pass it off I'm like bro you you're, you're going to turn people away because they just don't have a reference point so I was like yeah all right I can't complain about it I need to give guys a reference point I need yeah. to give them something to start their journey that is can resonate with where they're at which was me you know, five and a half, six years ago. So I'm like literally writing this book for the guy I used to be. And if someone would have handed me this book, it would have done so much more for me earlier on than someone handing me that book. Now, granted, I had the tenacity, stubbornness, and I'm too stupid to know any better. So I just kept going on the path and just figured out my own stuff and started to read different books. But a lot of people would be deterred by that. They'd be like, if this is the men's books, I'm not gonna, I, this just, I can't do this. And, um, so I was like, I have to, I got to step up to the plate and see if I can create something that gives them the start to their journey. So then they can get to a point where David data's book is a huge asset to them. Right. I want them to get there. They just need a bridge. And so for me, that was kind of like the impetus to why I started the book and why I wrote the book. And then I, you know, the process for it, to be honest, I've, like I mentioned, I've have a bachelor's and two masters. I've written a lot in my life and I was, I actually enjoyed writing it. And after all the knowledge that I've um, accumulated in the men's space and the self-development space and the health space over the years, I just really had fun to be honest, writing it. And it, it wasn't really like hard for it to come out. Um, The hardest part was actually it came out and then I had to structure it and I was like, okay, I got to make this make sense. (laughs) Like this is going so some logical progression. <laughs> yeah.
0: Dude. Yeah. You got a bachelor's and two masters. Like, let's talk about that for a second. But before we get into the rest of the book, like, that's fucking crazy. Like, that's a lot.
1: Well, it was... It was funny because my second (laughs) master's was actually a PhD and I stopped it because I got into the federal government working for the state department, writing contracts. Right. And at the time when I was early on in that profession, being a contracting officer, they put you through a ton of education. You have to meet all these uh, hours. You have to hit, uh, you have to do all the schooling. I essentially have like three masters because of the level of contracting officer I became. And at the time, I was having to do all of that schooling for my job on top of doing my PhD for the, the final like um, degree I was getting. So I actually called the school. Yeah. I finished all my PhD (laughs) classes. I think I didn't finish the final one. And then I had to do my residency and my dissertation. That was all that was left. But I called the school and I was like, Hey, listen, can you just bump this down to a master's? Like, I don't have time for it. I'm not going to be able to follow through and I'm not going to be able to finish this. Um, And I have too much on my plate, like basically doing a whole third master's degree in contracting. I was like, I just can't do it. And they go, wow, we've never had somebody do that. And I was like, Yeah. Well, you know what? I'm just prioritizing and I know what I can and can't do right now. And that's not it. They're like, cool. So that got, it was actually a PhD that got bumped down. I had them bumped down intentionally to a master's so I could just finish all the rest of my schooling for my job at the time. But dude, it was for me. I I like, I hated school growing up. If you told me that I was going to end up with two masters and a bachelor's degree back when I was like 17, I'd be like, bro, you're get out of here. Get out of here. No way. I hated school. I just knew how to get by. I knew how to be friends with all the TAs. I knew how to manage Bs across the board. I was good enough to like finagle that so my parents were off my back. But yeah. like at some point it was very weird. Um at some point when I was doing protection um I used my GI bill from the military to do my bachelor's degree through an online school while I was doing protection. And all my buddies were playing Call of Duty on their Xboxes and all this bullshit. Like they were playing all these video games overseas because we had so much free time. Obviously, when we weren't working uh, doing protection, we just you're literally you can't go anywhere. You're on this tiny embassy that's like literally four square miles. That's it. Like you just don't have anything to do. So you have all this time in your room. You have you're only going to work out so much like so I decided instead of doing... I was never a gamer. And I was like, I'm not doing that. I already go to the gym like two hours a day. What else can I do? I was like, well, let me get my degrees. So when I get to the regular world, I have something in my back pocket. Uh, little did I know degrees mean nothing. It just really helped me to learn how to educate myself and how to research because I use none of my degrees for for you know, my job now as an entrepreneur and stuff. But That was what it was, man. I just dove in and started to do it. And I realized I liked it, actually. I liked questioning teachers, which was really funny to me. And then I also liked questioning people's like academic writings, because I don't think it's all correct. And I I think it's available for questioning. And I think that's important.
0: Well, yeah. I mean, that education definitely can't hurt you. I mean, no, no, not at all. All the shit you got to do in entrepreneurship. I mean, man, I barely got out of high school and fuck some of the stuff, man. It's, uh, it takes a lot for me just to wrap my head around some of the stuff. Right. Even for me, writing a book was like, uh, here's the honest truth. I am so used to using my phone for everything that when it came to the Mm. book and like writing on a computer, it was like, I had to get used to it again. It was, it was the weirdest thing. Oh wow! Like, cause I'm so used to doing most of my stuff on my phone now, which is so weird, man. But like actually sitting there and, and like, and using the keyboard and and just I don't know. It's it was it, for me <laughs> for me, it was like just kind of getting back into that. Uh I don't know, we live in such a world where everything is just off on our thumbs and our fingertips and everything's you got these apps. And I just yeah. found that like there's so many things that you learn that in school that can definitely help now. That <laughs> I'm like, shit, man, I wish I would have gone to done a little bit more after because you know it definitely, it definitely helps.
1: Oh, it does. And not to knock it, but yeah. like in, in all reality, I just, it taught me a lot of great, I think school teaches you a lot of great skills yeah. Um, that you should be using for life that you can use for life. And instead of, you know, people looking at it as like, that's the focus of knowledge that they're going to take out of school. They should just look at it as you're going to gain some knowledge but you're really going to gain skills that are going to help you for anything you want to do which like i said you know for mm. entrepreneurship there's a lot of skills i gained from it that have helped me you know get to where i am today mm. yeah no definitely so so walk us through
0: i want to hear kind of what you do for you designing your own self your own man like what is because you're in great shape you're doing well What does your day start out like? Like when you got to have a great day, what does Johnny do and what kind of, what kind of nutrition, like what, what do you recommend? I don't even think we talked about this on the last podcast as well and I think it's important because again, a lot of this stuff has to do with like how you nourish your body, how you start your day. And I'm curious as to like what that looks like for you to be able to stay in good shape, you know, mind, body, spirit.
1: It's, this is, uh, it's, this is a big question because the fact that like, there's a lot I do and it's through over the years of gaining a lot of knowledge around this, but it's like, you know, I've done bodybuilding too. So it's not like I I haven't done these Uber strict diets. and competed. Right. So I know what that's like. And when people hear this, like there'll be some fitness coaches like, oh, that's stupid. I'm like, bro, listen, I'm a big fan of macros. I'm not a big fan of structuring your meals in the sense of like, you have to eat chicken, rice, and broccoli. Like some people need that, right? Because they're not good at, at being diverse. But the thing is the way that I'll, I'll start with diet is like, I'll u- utilize my macros. I'll be like, okay, I want to be 220 pounds and I want to be a fit 220 pounds. What does that look like? Okay. It's so many grams of protein, so many grams of carbs, so many grams of fat. And then I will structure my meals around that, but I will not structure my meals where it's like the same meal every day or every, even every, every meal is the same. Like every lunch is the same. Every dinner is the same. Every breakfast is the same. I don't do that. I allow myself flexibility because some days I'm like, Hey man, all I really feel like for lunch is like cottage cheese and so it's like i'll do cottage cheese and i really like cottage cheese i'll incorporate foods i really like that fit into my macros that's the beautiful thing about macros so when people do that like if anybody's out there listening to like how to if you want a sustainable diet just get your macros you can freaking go online and plug that in get your macros that you want for your weight and for how you want to look and then just utilize those as your boundaries every single day. And then allow yourself a little bit of freedom. Like I don't punish myself. If Taylor and I want to go out and eat dinner on a Saturday night, we'll go out and eat dinner and I won't be inside my macros. But if I'm living like a 90% in my macro life and I'm living 90% in that diet, then like I, I feel great. I look great. I'm, you know, it's not a big deal for me. And so I, I want people to be sustainable in their diets. And this is how I have found it is sustainable because I've done the bodybuilding life. It's not right. sustainable, nor is it healthy. Like I've been down to like 3% body fat. I was going through a freaking um, diabetic shock at one point, like twice because of it. And so when I was going and competing, like it's not healthy. So like I've done that life, it's not sustainable. Um, so it's like finding the macro stuff to me. And the reason why I say macros too, is because there's a lot of health benefits to different foods that certain diets like carnivore and keto cut out. And I'm not a big fan of that. So mm-hmm. like you talked about some of the things and, and I'll get into like what, what I do in my day to stay primed and stay healthy and everything. But like When I get when you're in diets like you do need spinach, you do need greens like that is a huge precursor to your brain health. You do need solid good fats from things like fish and seeds and nuts like you need those. Those are for your brain health like we need a lot of this stuff plus fats uh, help with satiate satiation. So it allows people to not want to actually eat a ton of carbs and allows them to feel full longer. So it's like there's strategies that are very healthy for you that I think some of these other diets are cutting out. So when we look at macros, we're allowed those types of foods as long as we don't blow the fats out of the water, the carbs out of the water, and the protein out of the water. Like We want to stay in a certain boundary.
0: You still so got to stay within within calories a little bit. You still got to be
1: it's not team. even so much calories calories are are not really the thing it's actually literally just your carbs your fats and your like your macros, when you're bodybuilding yeah. nobody does i mean i don't know anybody that does maybe like the super high competitors might do like calories but they're at like ten thousand calories because they're huge bodybuilders but like for when all the bodybuilding stuff just bases you on macros every single one of them i, I got friends who've competed in uh one of my friends philip ricardo is, like the like the, he's like the, I don't know, for a lack of better word, he's like, like the Arnold or the Ronnie Coleman of, Mm -hmm. or the Phil Heath for like, uh, all natural bodybuilding. And anyways, he was a good friend of mine and he same stuff. It's like these macros are what we, it's not even really calories. Just like stay at a certain, like 220 grams of protein for me. If I want to maintain 220 pounds, it's like, all right, my carbohydrates are at like 350 carbs a day. It's like, okay, cool. And then my fats are like somewhere around 50 to 60 grams of fat. Cool. All right. Take a look at what that looks like for my foods. And then I just base what I cook around that. And I let myself have flexibility and have diversity because that also allows you to have sustainability. Like not a lot of people are preconditioned to enjoy the same thing every single day. I promise you not. I haven't met many. Some people will say they're good at it that's fine. Like that you're pretty much the anomaly because nobody else is. That's why everybody loses those diets, but I just want people to be sustainable, but I also want them to include like the healthy things. So like, that's why, um, you, do you listen to the model health show? Sean Stevenson's? Uh, I have, I have. Yeah. Yeah. So Sean Stevenson, one of my favorite dudes, um, he wrote a book called eat smarter and he puts a ton of evidence A ton of studies and evidence behind certain foods and what they do. And if people want to lose fat, you can do things in the morning, like putting grass fed butter in your coffee or your tea. And that actually promotes thermogenesis, contrary to popular belief. There's all these studies that support this. So like, there's things like that, that you can incorporate, and they can keep you inside your macros and assist you in expediting burning fat and stuff like that. Mm. So that was a great book that helped me. But it also allowed me with that paired up with the macros, I could keep a lot of these things that studies were showing help your brain health. They help your uh, cognitive function. They help your gut health, all of that stuff. They help muscle building, like all of these things help you, but you are forced in a lot of other diets to cut some of those out. And that's not good. So that's what I would say as far as diet goes. Yeah. Oh man.
0: It's uh, over the years, it's been crazy because like, there's been, yeah, like bulletproof coffee. I started drinking in 2012. Like it's, and then there was the keto movement and there was the, well, first there was the low carb where there's the paleo, then there's keto and then yes. there's carnivore. And then there's, then there's uh meat, uh meat based with fruit. And then there's, you know, then there's people coming back and going back to the old school way. And now calorie counting is coming back and there's just there's so much. And I feel like again, it's, it's this information overload and it's yeah. hard because everybody you talk to has a different opinion on it. And like, would you say then would you say then if you had to like group in like let's let's say we had to name the diet just to make it easy for people to relate <laughs> to? Would you would you say that something like a paleo? ish would be kind of what you'd go for. Like if you had to kind of like, I know I don't want to like group it all into like these categories, but if you had to choose one, that was kind of what you follow. Is that sort of yeah. what, or do you have rice? Do you have dairy? Or do you just kind of mix it all together? Cause for me, it's like, I, I sort of, I would say for me the best is paleo that's for me that's worked out sometimes yeah. keto when i am i don't eat a lot of like carbs when i need to focus but then you know i'll add carbs later in the day that just works for me yeah but yeah i would
1: agree i would say like probably paleo because you're focusing on whole foods yeah which is what you want yeah. um i would say that would probably be the closest and if you can if you can fit a similar like paleo diet into your macros then that's going to be your best bet for all your stuff as far as like carbohydrates and fats and, and protein, yeah. um, and just getting to like literally whole foods as far as what you're putting in your body, because everything has that effect. Cause the, the other big thing is your gut health, like your gut, you know, this, like your yeah. gut health is, I mean, that's indicative of your mental state. It's indicative of your stress state. It's indicative of all your physiological, um, like, negative aspects that you have it it all kind of resigns in the gut and it can be because you have bacteria that's not doing well you can have inflammation you can have um, toxicity in there and things like that that you got to get you know purged out through other modalities but if you have all that stuff it can negatively affect a lot of the ways that you're operating as a human being and so that's why I like incorporating yeah. a diet like paleo where it's like whole foods you're you're negate you're preventing a lot of that from even taking place because of the fact that you're not putting in uh processed super manipulated products into your body. Yeah. Yeah, so I would say that would probably be the closest. Yeah, it's it. it's interesting cuz I mean everybody
0: hears different things all the time. And yeah. I'm curious because like I like that cuz you know you're actually in good shape, you know you 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 know what it takes and it's always it's weird for me to hear somebody give advice when they're not in good shape. Like it's like, yeah, <laughs> I wouldn't want to look like you anyway, fucker.
1: No, yeah, <laughs> I love that. Dude, it's so funny. I was uh I was uh Wes Watson says this all the time. He like yeah. he's like, "Dude, if, if that guy is telling you how to lift and he doesn't look like you want to look like, why the fuck are you listening to him? <laughs> like, you know, if this yeah. guy's telling you business advice and he doesn't have a business that's making millions of dollars and you want to make millions of dollars, why are you listening? Like, don't be listening to those people. Isn't that the truth though, right? Yeah, it is. Yeah. It's so true. But yeah. um, uh, <clears throat> I can dive. I'll dive a little bit yeah. into what sets me up. Cause I know the second part of that question was kind of like what sets me up for my day. I don't want to leave that hanging out there. Yeah. So yeah, yeah. for me, I'll make it a little briefer than that, but like for me, it's my morning and my night routines, hundred percent full stop. Okay. My days are drastically different. If I, my night routine is off and if my morning routine is off and I noticed this. So my morning routine for me starts that I wake up and I actually, um, I do meditation first thing in the morning for anywhere about 15 to 30 minutes. And then I do have you ever heard of these little like chi machines?
0: No, well, maybe. What it what what do they yeah, do? What are it's
1: they? like a. It's called Vitality Swing. I don't okay. have a partnership with this company or anything. They just they're like the OGs. So like it's called Vitality Swing, and it's like this little thing on the ground. You lay down and you put your ankles up on it, and it's got like a rocker that goes back and forth, hmm. and it does it. It's programmed to do it for like sixteen minutes. Like that's the maximum that it does, and then it just automatically stops. Well, it moves the energy in your body. And so it basically kind of like shakes your whole lower part of your body up until probably around like your, I would say almost like your sacral chakra, like basically up to like that little, uh, the lower part of your spine as you're starting to get up to the middle. So you feel this whole movement. And then when it stops after 16 minutes, you feel this wave of energy from your legs, just come up to your body and flow through your arms and everything. It's really cool but I do that every morning after I do my meditation and that allows me to get the energy moving in my body. So some people do like Qigong. I did that for a while before I had like the, the vitality swing. Now I do this because I just like it a little more. It also adds a little bit more of meditation because you're just laying on the ground so you can process like whatever it is you want to from the meditation that you just did, or you can process something different that you want to, um, in another kind of like 16 minute meditation. So I basically get, uh, I do do those two things. And then I get up and I have a coffee with uh, a seven mushroom blend. So this is to spike my mental acuity, spike my focus, um, give my brain nutrition. So I put uh, a tablespoon of grass fed butter in my coffee and then I have that. And then that's my morning routine, my little morning routine that then I take immediately up to my office and I'll start my work. Like that's where I'm like, okay, cool. Now I hit everything, whether it's, you know, entrepreneur stuff, whether it's content, whatever it is. I try to schedule something that needs a lot of brain power because I'm optimal at that point, like brain wise. And I'm also playing with my hormones, right? So, like as as uh men and women in our circadian rhythm, we're peak testosterone is is that like seven to I want to say like nine o'clock in the morning, something like that, or seven to eight o'clock in the morning. So um, by this time, cause I'm up at five. So by this time it's usually around like six, six 30 that I'm getting up to the office and then I'm starting to crank stuff out and I'm starting to get into that optimal time where my testosterone's through the roof. So I'm able to just really have a lot of focus and energy to whatever I'm putting into. And I also find like, this is when I wrote my book is this is I'm, my, my, uh, mental state is so clear. It's just like a pure channel. So, like all these great thoughts come through. So I love it. That's my morning. What time? Morning... What time do you get up? What time do you get up? Oh, 5 a.m. Okay. 5 a.m. I get up and then start part of that morning routine is I have to take care of our freaking all of our animals. We have two dogs, a pig, a cat, and now we have five baby chicks. So I gotta take care of them, which takes about 30 minutes. But that's kind of like rolled in there. That's become my morning routine. Um, but then in the evening, my morning can be significantly affected if my evening doesn't go right. And my evening looks like I basically prep my two protein shakes for the next day. I prep all my pills for the morning, like my supplements that I take. Um, I prep my water for the day, like this big old jug, this gallon jug that I drink. Um, I prep that. I prep my coffee. So I set up my coffee maker and I actually prep my coffee mug so I don't have to cut butter and pour uh, mushrooms in the morning. I do all of this to streamline my morning. Mm. And so I do all that at nighttime because that's not brain power that I want to use in the morning. I want to flow through my morning. I want my morning to just be seamless. So I set all of this up at the end of my day and it's non-negotiable. Like If my wife and I go out to dinner on a Saturday night and we don't get back till 10 or 11 at night, I will stay up for another 20 or 30 minutes and just set all of this stuff up. Like I just, it's it's a thing that I have to do and it doesn't matter. So I set all that up and then I typically will read for 30 minutes. So I put down, like I put down this phone, like I will not look at this phone um, at minimum 30 minutes before I go to bed. Uh, I'll read before I go to bed and then I journal for about like, somewhere between like five and 10 minutes and typically just journal on some things that I'm grateful for. And then what I do, and this is what every, I learned this, I think it was from Jim Quick. Um, Write down a question that you want answered. So I'll write down a question that I want answered. And what you're doing as you do that right before you go to bed, right before your brain starts to shut down, you switch to the dream state in the unconscious is your brain puts that into the unconscious And your subconscious is a million times more powerful than your prefrontal prefrontal cortex. So what happens is you've now given a question that your brain marinates on for eight hours or however long you sleep, and you've given it to a million times more powerful processing system. So you're actually able to answer questions where you'll get like an epiphany later, like a month from then, or two months from then, or a week from then that I got this epiphany. I saw this problem. It's like, You actually solved it a long time ago. You asked yourself this before you went to bed, your brain solved it. It just took a delay to get it to your prefrontal cortex. So I do that as well. And all of that helps me prep into my morning. So all of that from, uh, oh, sorry. And I also drink a sleepy time tea, an organic sleepy time tea um, with my, when I'm doing my reading for 30 minutes. So I just drink tea, I do my reading and then do my journal like five to 10 minutes right before I'm going to go to bed.
0: Man, that, makes so much sense the nighttime like what really landed with me what you said was that you want to have you don't want to use brain power that you don't need to in the morning that just something went off for me i'm like yes that makes sense because you want to get all that shit done so that you wake up and you just it's all there you don't have to think you just and then right into work because all that stuff is a cost of like your brain having to do this and that and it
1: adds up. I've never thought about that, man. I've never thought about it like that. They're micro decisions. And um, this is why like when, you know, everybody has this, right? They'll, They'll be like, man, I did a lot today and I'm so tired. And you're like, but I didn't like do any physically active things like think about when you've been to a conference right or you've been to something where you're getting educated all day and at the end of it you're like god i am just spent like i am tired i just want to veg out i don't want to do anything it's because all you were doing the whole entire time was making micro decisions micro processing and so what happens is this is why the strategy in stores you know why they put candy at the end of the at, at the cash register and all the like smut magazines and stuff like that. They do it because you've made so many micro decisions in the store that you basically have worn down your own inhibition to say, no, I'm not going to grab the Snickers. They literally do this psychologically, bro. It's true. They do this stuff. Wow. Yeah. So like we, we should use that to our advantage too. If we know that, right. Make all the decisions the night before, while you're already gone, your brain's already active and you're processing and then allow your brain to just, flow in the morning to just be, and then allow it to focus on the bigger things. Like, okay, I'm getting up to my office and I'm going to start creating content. What's the content I want to create. And all your brain power is focused on content. You have no depletion of micro decisions you made at all because everything you did was streamlined.
0: That makes so much sense, man. I'm going to start doing that because I've kind of done that before. Like it makes sense. Like get the gym bag ready the night before. I always like it. And I I, I always feel a sense of the next day. I'm like, God, I'm glad I did that. But it just didn't click in that way that it's like, oh, it's actually saving brain power. And like now that's enough for me to like make that a focus. So thank you for that. And I think a lot of people that's going to resonate with them because why create unnecessary chaos in the morning when you just need to get your shit done and you just want to get into that flow state? Like, why create that? Yeah.
1: Yeah. And leverage, leverage your hormones, man. Your hormones are, cr- your testosterone's cranking in the morning. Leverage that to focus energy on what you want to focus on, not stuff that is like tedious, uh, but still requires brain power and energy. Like just r- relieve yourself from it. And I realized, man, just like you, I started to be like, oh, I love when past Johnny sets me up for success. Like, this is great. Like, this is dope. Like, I love having that. And then I'm like, I started to think like, All right, dude, if you don't do this tonight, like how pissed is future Johnny going to be if he has to wake up in the morning and do this bullshit? And I'm like, yeah, he's going to be pissed. And then I'm like, all right, man, I don't want that to be, I don't want that to be, you know, happen. So I'm just going to take care of it now. So then that was literally the conversation I had in my head. And then that became my non negotiable evening routine done every night.
0: Yeah. Do whatever your future self would be happy to do now. Yeah. It's always yeah, absolutely like, even your workspace and just like making your bed anything that later on that you're going to go, Oh, fuck. I'm glad I did that. You yep. know, cause you get that moment where you're like, I don't need to do that right now. But if you can just do that right now, you, the, the later on you is going to be like, Oh shit. I'm glad I did that.
1: <laughs> well, always ask yourself if you're not going to do that right now, who's going to do it? You're going to yeah. end up doing it later. That's always going to be the answer. So yeah. you may as well just take care of it now because you're not going to want to do it because there could be something else going on that you can't expect. And you're like, oh man, this is even more of a pain in the ass now.
0: <laughs> yeah. It's almost, again, it comes down to choosing, choosing the thing, whether it's the difficult thing now to make, to set yourself up later for, an easier situation because you may get dealt unnecessary bullshit and you still have to do that thing that you avoided. So, why not do that yeah. thing that you can do now and choose to do it? And then at least you're open to, okay, well, I've done that. So now if something gets thrown at me, a curveball, I can deal with it. But now I don't have to deal with the curveball and that thing. That's like the yep. stressors of life, right? Everybody's dealing with this stuff. Would you say that that has a key? that feels like it'd be like such a key thing in people's lives that most do, don't do is the procrastination of putting off the thing they could do now to later and then more shit coming at them. And it be, creates chaos in their life constantly.
1: Yeah. You know, it, it is like, it's just such a weird thing that we as humans would rather do that. And I've come to the conclusion. I was actually having this conversation recently. I've come to the conclusion humans enjoy or not enjoy humans. Um, prefer to do things when they're forced to to do them, not when they have the freedom to do them. And so like in this scenario, for instance, like we'll use making the bed. How long is that going to take you? 30 seconds, a minute, two minutes, whatever takes you that, but someone will get up and they'll be like, I'll just, I'll do that later. I'll, I'll, I'll walk back in, but they'll make an excuse, right? I'll walk back in my room later and I'll just make it or whatever. I'll do, I'll do that later. Well, then all of a sudden, like they don't do it. And then all of a sudden they walk in their room and their their room's a mess, right? And they're like, oh my God, it's a mess. My freaking bed's a mess. Everything's a mess. I'm so disorganized now. And their back's against the wall or they're in a pain point, right? And they're like, finally, because they feel disorganized individually, because you do internally, you'll feel disorganized when you have that clutter, like in your car, in your room, stuff like that. Um, they'll feel disorganized. That'll cause a pain point, And then that'll finally press them to do the cleaning. That'll finally press them to make the bed, to clean the bedroom. And you're like, why do we wait that far? Like, why don't you just be like, all right, if I do, if I don't do it now, future me is going to be pissed. Future me is going to be like, man, this is messy and dirty and I'm annoyed now. And not only that, if I do it now, what time does that really take away from me? What is so pressing that I can't do this right now? Mm. And to me, that's the question I always ask myself, who's going to do it? if not me right now, how long is it going to take me and how am I going to benefit from that? And every time the answer will just come out, just do the fucking thing now. Like, why are you waiting? Like, just do it. Yeah. So that's been my prevailing theme.
0: (laughs) Yeah. It's sometimes those simple things that make the biggest difference in people's lives, that, that kind of advice. Right. And yeah, dude, what is there, so just full transparency, everybody, I haven't read Johnny's book yet, but I'm going to be getting his book. So <laughs> I want to get my book when yeah, he gets I, me I, an
1: address. <laughs> yeah. Yeah.
0: I, so I want to make sure that we cover some points that we haven't been able to, because we get talking about things because I haven't seen the outline of it yet. Talk to me about some things that you want to address now that we can leave people with to go and grab your, a copy, because I know that you do great work, man. And I can't wait to personally read it myself. So talk talk us a little bit more about what we can expect and where we can find it and all that good stuff.
1: Yeah, I appreciate you, brother. I appreciate you uh, jamming out with me and letting me on the show and and to really just hang out with you for a little bit and share with your community, man. This is always this is literally like a, a distant brother of mine, not being able to connect you know, physically all the time, but it's always nice to get to hang out with you. So I appreciate all this, bro. Um, yeah, absolutely. Likewise, brother. Yeah. As far as the book goes, man, it, it you know, I, I don't like when guys say like men's books are for women too. And like, you're like, bro, you're just being disingenuous. Like you just say that because you want more sales. I've had Taylor read this. I've had a couple other women look at it. And they're like, it's great for me to understand what you guys are experienced. So I'll just start with that. Like, Women don't necessarily always get the insight because we're always not the best communicators about what's going on internally. And just a disclaimer to all you men, I do let some of our secrets out. So sorry, not sorry. Um, But at the end of the day, it does help women understand us a little better. It helps them to support their partners a little better and to give them a little bit of grace, knowing some of the things that we kind of carry around with us that we don't talk about. So that's the first and foremost. But Predominantly, it's for you and I talked about it. It's for every, the everyday guy. I just, I wanted this to be a book that a blue collar dude who constantly is working, paid, living paycheck to paycheck, trying to keep his head uh, above water for his family and everything else. I wanted it to be a book that would resonate with that guy and then give him some tools to improve his relationship with himself and with the people around him, whether he's married or whether it's just his friends or his family. Like, I wanted it to be able to improve his life. And if he can gain one improvement from any of the tools in the 19 chapters, that would be a win for me. Mm -hmm. And so um, it's really to, to resonate, to let the guys know that I see them, I know what they've gone through because I went through it too. And then here are the tools that I've used, like we've talked about some of them on the show today, but here are some of the tools that I've used to implement into my life to not necessarily eradicate some of those conversations are issues, but know how to handle them internally so I can flip the script on them. You know, like we talked about, you know, asking the question to then rephrase how to be positive, like those kinds of things have helped me immensely in my life and in my relationship with Taylor. Um, and so that's really who the book's for. That's really what it's about. And in all honesty, like my favorite chapter, I, I, uh, cause I always love asking authors, like, what's your favorite chapter in the book? Cause we all, have, I mean, you probably have one for your book too. Like one that you're just like, that was the one I was just like, so proud of. I'm proud of the whole book, but the chapter it's called the three horsemen of death, um, shame, guilt, and regret. That Ooh. was like the one that I, I really loved writing. And the reason why is because I don't know a single man. I've never come across him on this planet that hasn't been living in shame, guilt, and regret in his life. And the reason I call them the three horsemen of death is because all of those things have one thing in common. They all cause you to live in the past. And if you live in the past, you live in death because you can't change any of that. So I wrote that chapter specifically to identify those three things that I've lived with in my life that I've seen a lot of men live with in their lives and wrote it so we can acknowledge that And we can learn how to work with it to um, move away from carrying those things around in our lives so they don't end up as regrets. So we don't end up living in the what ifs or the should ofs or the could ofs or the would ofs and live in the present moment and look to the future on the things that we can change now, right? And so that's what I wrote that one for. And I really loved it because that one for me, probably it resonated a lot with, so a lot of the struggles i've encountered in my life and i've seen so many guys encounter so that was the the big one for me but other than that that's kind of like what it's about everybody can find it at designthemanwithin.com um we're doing a pre-order right now where you can get the ebook for 99 cents and we're going to be running that till like may 16th which is when the book is published so if anybody wants to get the ebook they can go onto amazon right now and and get that for 99 cents um, and then if you want a physical copy, it's available for pre-order as well. And that's all on Amazon right now. So cool. And then May 16th when it's, it's like the, that's oh. the, that's when the, it'll be released. So if you really? order yeah, like yeah. the 99, yeah, the you ebook... want to get,
0: yeah, yeah. Okay. Yeah. No, I gotcha. I gotcha, yeah. man. Yeah. We, uh, it's, it's great too. Cause then you, I mean, if, yeah, I think. So how long does that promotion go on for? Just just to reiterate again. So I just want to make sure we get this episode out what when it goes till the 16th, right?
1: Yeah. So it'll be till the 16th, because that's when the book is published. Right, um, right, 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 well, right. We we may leave the we, we're we may leave the 99 cents open until May 21st to finish out the first week of the book being available. So the gotcha. ebook so um but right now we have it set up for may 16th is is when we're gonna look to cut that off so
0: well you guys are crazy if you don't go get that book
1: <laughs> you guys are
0: crazy <laughs> oh. if, and whether you're a woman a man you definitely it could serve you and definitely understanding men and for men johnny's the best so make sure to go grab appreciate it you, brother. dude i appreciate you too man and uh dude it's always a pleasure talking and uh, your podcast, the Art, what, the Art of Masculinity, right? It's a great name.
1: Yes, sir. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> You've been, and Lance has been on there. Crushed yeah, and he stumped, it, me, he stumped
0: me. He asked me some questions about like, uh, what were they? I forget, but I was like, oh, shit.
1: <laughs> they were like, where, do hockey, st- were where do hockey sticks come from? <laughs> <You know>? <laughs> <laughs> they were rapid fire. And I was like,
0: fuck. But uh, no, it was great, man. I enjoyed it. I, anytime we get to chat, I'm, I'm, we got to do
1: it in person at some point, you know? We do. We do man. I'm hoping yeah. that you'll get your make your way down to Charleston or or uh, we'll get to meet up in old Costa Rica, man. Our stomping oh, grounds. We yeah. we all love it down there. So, Taylor's yeah. there right now. Oh, amazing.
0: All right, brother. Thank you so much. Thanks everybody.